Hey, what's up, family? Welcome to episode six of The Conversation, season two. You made it through season one. Now you are closing out with us season two. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking about a powerful verse today. This whole time we've been going through the parables of Jesus. And during a time like this, knowing how Jesus would handle the situation, knowing how we should handle the situation is going to be key to how we move forward as a family. So I'm excited. We've been doing the same thing for six episodes in a row, bringing an incredible guest every single week. We've had your pops. We've had my wife. We've had a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. And today... My friends, Jamaica, I feel like you guys all got someone. Yeah, oh yeah, you didn't get someone. That's okay. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I'll be, I'll be your someone. Hey, yeah. and today we have my friend, Nelson Luna. Nelson Luna, make some noise. Thanks for having me on the, on the conversation, Thanks my friend. Thanks for having me. I'm so, so glad. Really, when you invited me, that yeah. was like Jesus. out of our personal deep yeah. relationship, yes. it was really special. So, I feel so cool. Nelson <laughs> is our, if you don't know who Nelson is, Nelson is a pastor on our team. He's our executive pastor. So he's the one who does all the work. Um, you know, while I preach. Basically, that's his job is to sometimes he wakes me up at 11 a.m. in the morning with a question and I got to answer it so he can do his job. Waking up at 11. <laughs> sometimes I'm like 1 p.m. and he calls me and I'm still asleep, you know, long night out. And he wakes me up so he can do his job. So rude. Sorry to interrupt. So rude. But Nelson is amazing. You. Uh, his, uh, you might know his wife better. She's been leading worship, Amy Luna, leading worship in our church for years. But so much wisdom and so much, um, just such a great leadership gift on his life. So I'm really excited that we get to talk to him about this particular parable today, which is the parable of the persistent widow. The parable of the persistent (laughs) widow. That's already preached. That's already done. But but persistent widow is not like, I'm trying to get remarried. Like, she's (laughs) actually, it's a prayer thing. So it's not like that. I know what you thought. That's the issue. I thought she was on the hunt. No, she was trying to. No, this is not dating. She's not about a coup. She's not on Tinder. No. She's not about Bumble. No sugar daddy. No. None of that. She's persistent in prayer. So. As is our custom, um, we do things once or twice and call it a custom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tradition. As is our tradition, Nelson, would you do us the honor of reading the passage of Scripture we will be having a conversation about? It'd be my pleasure. Thank you. The parable of the persistent widow. One day, Jesus told this story, told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice. Do we do voices? Should I do a voice? Or Honestly, just, like, just, you make it your own. You know? Ask my friend, I give you permission to do whatever you want. Get used to she said, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But then the son of, but when the son of man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Great job. What a parable. And you did a great job Thank you. reading that. I, my favorite part of this verse so far is who would announce that they don't care? They don't fear God. Right. They care about people. Yeah. Hey, I don't fear God, and I don't care about people. <laughs> I don't care about. But people. you're driving me crazy. <laughs> it's just an interesting thing. 
I, I think this parable is really important for the time that we're in. This might yeah. be the parable of 2020 mm. because um, we are filming this in advance. So when you're watching this, there has been uh, an election the day before. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was our election. So we don't know who's going to win because it is September. And like we're filming we're in September. The <laughs> but yeah. time travel. But travel. I do think we didn't realize that we had picked this passage yeah. of scripture yeah. um, to, to be filled, shown uh, on the day after the election. And I think it's important because um, this is literally talking about a leader whose job would be to, to care about people yeah. and they don't. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes no matter who you're, you're voting for, you think if I don't get this right person, yeah. then I'm not going to get. And he says, no, actually, this, this woman was persistent in prayer and she didn't quit. Right. And she ended up getting got what God had for her regardless of who oh, was in that right. position right. Right. of power. And I think when I read the Bible, I think that I see God's greatest leaders, God's greatest disciples, his greatest followers be chosen and raised up during times where someone was in power that wasn't doing wow. what they were mm-hmm. supposed to be doing. Yeah, wow. You know, That's even so when true. you look at David in the Bible, David, uh, there's no prophets in David's story until David cheats right. on his wife with Bathsheba, get, kills somebody, knocks up the dude's wife, and all of a sudden a prophet named Nathan shows up out of nowhere yeah. in response to, to poor leadership. Wow. And so God has raised up Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. So I think this obsession that we have with right. worldly wow. leaders begins way back in the Bible when God's people asked for a king right. because right. they wanted to be led by a human instead of, wow. instead wow. of God. And I think that um, the parable in itself talks about being persistent. And if you want to be a multi-billionaire, um, invent something that people don't have to be persistent. Right. Like everything's on demand. Right? Yeah. Like everything's on demand. Like you don't have to. When I was a kid, we used to sit and watch and we had to wait till Friday night for our favorite TV show <laughs> to come on. Now I just happen to be binge watching Cobra Kai. Nice. Uh, it's That's the new YouTube. It's like first season one and I watched six episodes straight didn't have to wait for any of them don't have to be persistent don't have to be patient and so I think this is a thing about what happens when people persistently pray Um, have you seen an experience we'll start with our amazing guest Mm -hmm. you know why do you think it's so challenging especially for believers Mm -hmm. to 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 pray during hard times there seems to be a rise of like complaining mm-hmm. or even sharing opinions. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Mm. But but I, I don't see in this past couple of months a true call to, to prayer in my friendship circles. Right. Mm. You know, what do you think that is and what do you think that attributes to? Um, well, I think one thing, you know, putting in context, the widow in this story would have expected the judge to work on her behalf. Right. She would have expected, so she would have been showing up to this judge because kind of the culture of that time, you know, I learned from you to kind of explore the context of it, right? The culture of that time, the judge would have been taught to seek justice for the orphan and the widow. Mm. And so she would have been going expecting right. the, the, a good outcome, that he would seek justice in her dispute with an enemy. Right. And so I think some of it, when I think about, like, what makes it hard to persist is those expectations that we have. Like, that she, she might be showing up or we might be showing up feeling entitled to justice the way we define it. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, then we figure like, okay, how do, in that equation, I'm going to show up and just get this. Like you said, I'm going to show up and just be able to binge all of the episodes of this. Wait, I have to wait? Mm-hmm. Wait, that's different than what I expected. 
And so I think even that, I think that's actually a really important thing that I take away from this as well. Of where am I going somewhere with an expectation mm. and not bringing with that my, my patience or my willingness to persist through a challenge if I face it? It's great. Sure. Really Man, good. I think that is so That's powerful. Yeah. And even in, 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 we don't know what her enemy was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But also based off that time, it was very likely that her enemy was trying to come and take what her husband had left her. Mm-hmm. Wow. So in those times when a, when a widow's husband would die, life expectancy was real short. People like mm-hmm. died by 25 <laughs> or whatever. So they would come and try to, another person would come and try to take mm-hmm. um, um, her her land right. so um, that her father had given her or her husband had left her. Right, right. And so it was about losing something. You yeah. know, she'd already lost something. She had already mm-hmm. lost something. Yeah. So and like, now she's losing yeah. something More, else. Right. Wow. That's, so, that's, and she could be persistent even after she experienced a bad a bad hand of the cards, if you will. Is that the saying? Yeah, it is yeah, now. It's tradition. <laughs> well, we always say that. Um, like she'd already ex- yeah, like I always say. Uh, she'd already experienced trauma. Like her husband had died. Mm -hmm. And I think this year has been full of trauma. Mm -hmm. 2020 has has been horrible in so many ways. And yes, there has been silver linings. And yes, there's been beautiful moments in that too. But I get it. Like I think that when you've been through something, to actually then have to fight for land to fight for what you have left like I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that she'd already been through a heartbreak Mm -hmm. and now she's like this is all I've got left I think for me I don't even know if I'd have the fight left to persist if I'm being honest Mm -hmm. like I think that I want to believe that I would but if I if this had happened to me and then it felt like the world was against me as well I think maybe Jesus is saying here hey like I'm not diminishing what this woman had lost. I'm actually applauding the fact that she still had a fight in her mm. to say, hey, whatever I've got left, I'm not giving up. Mm-hmm. And this year have, has had a lot of moments for all of us where it's just like, I'm over it. Mm-hmm. I give up. And th- that's, that was a challenge for me that I got from it of like, can I keep fighting even if it looks like I'm being ignored? Man, you know, Kendall, the other day when uh, we were working out, Every time. See, I slipped that in. Every single time. See, I slipped that in. <laughs> yeah. I love that, though. That's great. Listen, the other day so when we were working out, uh, Kendall, you weren't there, uh, actually. When you died? I had to be carried in the house. <laughs> it was really embarrassing, but I was For persistent. Real? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. bad. I had a little episode. Can we stop there and talk about it? No. Or? Okay, no. cool. Let's bad. keep going. But prior to that, we were working out, mm-hmm. and um, we were talking about how um, where we work out, there's a place where there's a view. And um, I'm a former youth pastor, and being a youth pastor, when you were trying to reach youth, if you wanted to have your lowest attended night ever, attended night ever, have a prayer gathering. Right. Right. Just say, say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna pray. We're gonna be persistent in prayer. I'll see you Friday night. If it was like movie night or free corn dogs or whatever it is, it would be packed. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I noticed in our conversation, I was actually surprised where you said there was this spot that you go to to like meditate mm-hmm. and pray. And I was like, dude, who is this guy? Obviously, right. you're 17 years old. But that was something that even in my faith, I still, I don't know that I always go to prayer first. I don't mm. always know that I'm persistent. Right. Like when something goes wrong, or I'm, I'll pray, but I don't know that I always set this time aside to be persistent in that way. Like where did that habit come from for you? Uh, definitely my dad sparked it. 
Mm. And then it was something. Yeah, facts. Uh, So I have two things that I normally do. I have a journal. So I write things down at the end of the day. And then also I'll go to meditate. And so there's a spot near my house that's like has an amazing view. And I always pretty much like the majority of the days I actually go up there and just there's a couch there that one of the neighbors has. And I talked to the neighbor and he let me use it. And so we put it out there, and, it, and it's, like, amazing, it's amazing. So cool. it's, so, it's such a dope view. But it's so, for me, a- after the problem occurs, I wait for the problem to, like, boil down, and then I go to God after and, and like, kind of have a conclusion moment, if you will. Like, something might happen earlier in the day. Then I let it all happen. I solve the problem, whatever it is, and then I go at the end and write it down and like really think about it because I think in the thinking about it A, I learn from my mistakes or what happened and then B, I can think about what's going to happen next what do I do next what if this happens tomorrow like that's what I do so so for me it's just like I have my journal and I have this spot and I go meditate and it's like that's me like that's how I get wow. through a majority of my problems yeah you know what's crazy about that is that there's this scripture in Philippians 4, that says, uh, be anxious for nothing, pray about everything. And typically when you're anxious about everything, you're praying about nothing. You can flip that verse. But it says with both prayer and petition. So I think it's important that we understand like what prayer actually means. In the original Greek word, it Mm -hmm. doesn't mean to ask God for stuff. Prayer simply means to exchange wishes. Yeah. To so you go into the presence of God go. with something out. different. So if you yeah. pati- you're supposed to ask God, hey God, bless this, bless that, <clears throat> do all that stuff. I, we're supposed to do that. Yeah. Um, the Bible says if it's God of our Father, if if an mm-hmm. earthly father would would give their their kid great gifts, how much more will God? Yeah. So we're supposed to ask God for things. But the definition of prayer is that you go into the presence of God with a different perspective right. than mm-hmm. you came. Uh, you come out with a different right. perspective than you, you went in with, yeah. or you come out with a different desire yeah, than you, you went with. So you should actually come out of a prayer time with a prayer request that was different than what you had. So in all of that, we can say, hey, be persistent in prayer. Be, you know, uh, make sure you keep praying. But this uh, parable of the persistent widow in verse six, it says, then the Lord said, yeah. learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Yeah. So even when we look at this, it's our human nature to begin to discuss the good person and what we can learn from her. So I think this whole parable was a bit of a setup because he was naming a good person and a bad person. Always go to the good person. And this is the day after the election. And you might have a good person and a bad person. And he's telling a parable and we all lean towards, all right, little poor, little persistent widow. Let, what can we learn from her? Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's be persistent in prayer, which obviously that has its, its place. Right. But that's not what Jesus said. Mm. He said, let's learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Mm. Right. Let's take a look at the unjust judge. So therefore, you, that would mean that there's something that we can learn yeah. from people we deem to be unjust yes. and right. unfair. Sure. And the lesson he wanted us to learn is that even he rendered a just decision in the end. And so I want to talk about the middle a little bit. Mm. You know, one of the things that God says is, is he's the beginning and the end, and the middle is so confusing. It's right, so right? confusing, yeah. dude. Nelson, give us a, a, a story, if you can, or what comes to mind when I say, what is something in your life over the years where in the middle, you know, I know you had like different challenges with your ankle and 
you know, mm. in, uh, you know, I got injured in a car accident. Right. Right, it wasn't a car accident. You got hit by a car, right? <laughs> so it's like, it's not an accident. It's a car accident. You weren't in a car. Yeah. No. But yes. like, what are some things in, in, in your life that in the middle, mm-hmm. it looks so bad, yeah. but the, the, the right decision happened in the end? Mm. Well, I mean, I think there, there was a turning point um, in that journey where, you know, I kind of had, you know, that, that, what I said about expectations at the beginning really was formed from that journey. You know, I really felt like the world owed me stuff because I lived in pain. Oh, mm. shoot. And um, had a turning point. Say that again. Wait. <laughs> like, are you just going to keep going, bro? Wait, wait, wait. Oh. The world owed me stuff because I lived in pain. Yeah, oh, I mean, my goodness. There, there is, there's an entitlement that can come from pain. And, sure. and I think we all experience that. I think yeah. that's the thing that's, that's really important is no matter what God taught me in that moment was like no matter what your trauma is, no matter what wow. your pain is, um, you know, the, the, the entitlement that can come from that is real, but then also to, to add into that perspective, you know? And so what God taught me was like my worst pain might be different or like better or worse, but like comparison, uh, there's actually Dave Chappelle has like a, a really it. interesting, um, up moment where a woman came up and, and he kind of ended up having an issue with the way that he, they, she was trying to compare her suffering to his suffering, and he said, hey, let's not do that. I suffer, you suffer. Yeah. Let's just acknowledge that we both Very suffer right, right, and right, not right. try to figure Very out whose suffering is worst. better or worse. Yep. Right. And that was really the, the turning point for me in the middle of, of really understanding the, the perspective. Um, and I mean, it's, it's really interesting, too, that you talk about shifting our perspective from the widow to the judge. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I think... That, that's part of what God shifted. And, and he shifted me from the victim, mm. seeking what I felt like I was owed because I was, had been through, right. um, to really more, more empathy. Because I think about, you know, the judge that, that's being unjust, that says, I don't fear God or care about people. What must he have been through to get to yeah, that point? You know, like you said, we go to the widow. Oh, we got to save her. Wow. But like, what about the judge? Why does mm-hmm. he? How, how hard would it be to get to the point where you would say and Publicly. be known for, right. I don't fear God or care about people. Right. right. And, and maybe how lonely that might be. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, and so even that, to your point of sh- shifting the perspective there, um, what, it, what it really was for me was a lesson in empathy. What can I learn about other people because really that was what was crying in my heart. What I felt owed wasn't, you know, freedom from the pain or somebody commiserating it. But I just wanted somebody to, to say, hey, I see you. I understand you. Right. And, and like I'm with you. Yeah. And that's the fight in our nation for equality is to for people to get what they're owed. And this election was a lot about equality mm-hmm. and people feeling like they get um, either A, what they're owed or mm-hmm. B, what someone else has. And I think equality is a very important social construct, but you don't see it often in the kingdom. Right. You don't see equality, God championing equality a lot in the kingdom. It's a social construct. What he champions is exaltation and humbling. Mm -hmm. So whenever you had someone in the Bible who was being oppressed, let's say it was the Egyptians. Wow. The Egyptians are up here. The Israelites are down here. God never brought them at the level playing field of the Egyptians. Mm. What he did is if they humbled themselves and they were obedient to God, he exalted them to the place that the Egyptians were trying to protect, and he lowered the Egyptians to the place they were trying to keep the Israelites. Wow. Wow. So the, the, the kingdom construct is exaltation. Because here's the thing. It's not equal. 
it is exaltation. The Bible says those who humble themselves will be exalted. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. even if you are um, dealing with an unjust judge, the key is that the widow was humble mm-hmm. and she persisted herself in prayer and ended up getting what she was supposed to get even though the judge didn't like people. Right. And I think that's just this, this lesson that yeah. I've been thinking, okay, I don't, I believe in equality mm-hmm. because I believe that it, it, it is a, a social construct. But I also believe in exaltation, yeah. which means that if I humble myself and I continue to pray, yes. I've seen God put me in the position that people were trying to keep me out of yeah. and we weren't equal. Yeah. And then I had to yeah. serve them. Right. Joseph got exalted higher than That's his brothers and had yeah. to serve them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think what I've been preparing myself for in this is, okay, if I stay persistent in prayer in my character, God, one day you're going to put me in a position where I'm going to be staring at the person who tried to keep me out of this position. Yeah. And I'm going to have to bless them the wow. same way you blessed me. And so I think this is important that we're persistent the right yes. way. Right, right. Like we have to be persistent yeah. in prayer, not just persistent in complaining. What would and, you say? Because like I think, and maybe you know, I'll pose yeah. this to everyone, but what would you say in the middle when you're persisting in prayer but not getting the answer you're hoping for? Um, where is the encouragement in this, or where would you encourage people to go? Because that was one of the, the dark roads I went through of like, man, I keep asking for something and I'm not getting it. And so how, do you, how would you kind of encourage people not to give up in the middle of those dark That's seasons? That's such a great question. Um, I think it, it, he tells us, too, in verse 8, yeah. I will tell you, he'll grant justice to them quickly, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Faith comes from hearing the word. Mm-hmm. So you're living off what God said mm-hmm. instead of living of off of what he's done. Right. Right? So that's why Jesus said, man does not live off of bread alone. Bread is provision. Bread is what you need. Bread is but every word that comes from it. So you're living off of what God said, not off what he does. And that is the that's hardest so thing to do as a believer. I live off what he told me, not what he did for me. Because that living off what he tells me, God will say, come to me and I'll tell you everything you do not know. He said, I'll tell you everything. Mm. So then what God said helps sustain you in the gap between what he said and what he did. Wow. You're living in the gap. It's like a, the hardest thing for a visionary is to live in the gap between what they see and where they're at today. Mm. And that's the space where you want to give up. That's the space. So that's what I think it is. Yeah. I think it's living by faith, which means living by what God said, mm. not just by what he does. Um, you know, because you, you know, I have things I'm waiting for God to do now. I'm yeah. 43. He's just done, done a lot. I, I have very few answered prayers, by the way. <laughs> right? Which is hilarious because people would look at you. But that's exactly that, yeah. it. Like, I wouldn't say look God look answers. Wow. He's got I mean. everything he wants. That's yeah. why it's so important to talk to someone that you think has it all together mm. or that you think, not saying that you don't have it all together. You have a lot together. But if you have a conversation with you, the people that know you know, oh, no. Like mm. the answered prayers that you think Julian has, they were never prayers he prayed. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, yeah. God, like, hey, here's your life. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have <laughs> yeah. an answer. I don't, I have ten, God answers 10% of my prayers, to be honest. Wow. But that goes back to what you were talking about at the start of what prayer is, going in and exchanging wishes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we should be spending more time praying about what we should be praying about. Wow. To increase yes. our... <laughs> you, said, you said to me once, Elise, before you pray to change, ask God for the desire to change. She's like, start yeah. there. And it took so much pressure off me of like, we think we have to be better, do better, pray more, ask more. And all of us is probably saying that. But 
if you don't have the desire to do it, just be honest. I think it starts with an honesty of like, mm. I don't want to. I think for me, when it started with the honesty of like, hey, I don't like praying. Praying feels boring to me. And until I realized what prayer was, I thought it was the shopping list. I oh, thought it was no. I go in to the prayer closet or I go into the chair or whatever. I don't have a view. Maybe that would have helped. <laughs> but, and, and telling God all the things, listing my sins, please forgive me, do this. Until I realized that it is a conversation, hmm. just like the conversation. Wow. See how we segue that? But back, I think amazing. like, I think looking at this, I, I love what you said about like, for me, when I'm in the middle of things and I can think of a million times when that's like, maybe not a million, that's a, that's a lot, that's an exaggeration. But like a few times when I've been in my life in the middle, I'm currently in the middle of a few situations right now that we've talked about on the show before, all that kind of stuff on the, what do we call it? Whatever show. this the conversation before. I'm like, is it a show? I don't know. It's a show. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's a couple ah. friends talking. We're just yes. it's a series. We're already we're looking for a out. network. It's all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I think when, when I'm in the middle, for me, the encouragement is coming down to verse 8 again, verse 7 and 8 of knowing, hey, God is not that unjust judge either. Because mm. I think mm. that often I can see God the way I've been treated by people or the way, honestly, I've treated people. I've been the unjust judge before. Yeah. I've had people yeah. asking me for stuff that I've ignored, honestly. I think until it gets to that point of like, oh, let me just do this first person or whatever. And I've had people that I felt like the widow with. But I think what Jesus is saying and the reminder for me is, hey, God isn't like that unjust judge. Mm-hmm. Like what you said, what he said, he's going to do mm-hmm. it. And you've seen it in the past. So... And I want to loop back real quick because that's a great thought. And I want to make sure that we loop back. Like when I'm saying that God doesn't answer my prayers, you might, well, why pray? Oh, yeah. Like, wow. well, it's the same thing. Like if, I, if I'm a basketball fan and you, it's so interesting how you start off missing your jump shots and you keep doing it because you become more accurate. Mm-hmm. And so I continue oh, to pray so, wow. so I can learn what real prayer looks like. Right, right. And I have found, to Kendall's point, that for me, when the, even when the Bible says, let the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, that I think that people are praying without meditating, right? So meaning that you're, you, don't, you go into a prayer in the wrong, with the wrong heart, the wrong, wrong attitude, yeah, yeah, so you're yeah, yeah. most likely going to pray mm-hmm. the wrong prayer. So the idea is to get your prayer in alignment. That's why basketball players have a shooting coach, mm. because your wrist and your elbow and your footwork needs to be in a mm-hmm. certain alignment to make the shot. So what you're saying is we need prayer coaches. Yes. Kendall, will oh, you God. be my prayer <laughs> coach? <laughs> because there's nothing wrong with the That's ball. so good. Nothing wrong with the ball. There's Dang. nothing wrong with the ball and no nothing wrong with the hoop. God stays the same. The mm-hmm. ball doesn't change. The hoop doesn't change. Mm. It's your form and the way that you are approaching it that determines if the ball is going to go in. Yeah. And they have people who are in the NBA who still have people coaching the way that they do that. Still. So I think... I wanted to ask you about your meditation because yeah, I have found so more that meditating and praying a more of a bullseye prayer, mm-hmm. but meditating about what I'm grateful for. You know, the other day, you know, we had a challenge in our in our marriage. So instead of me just praying about like God, could you show my wife this is, mm-hmm. I'm like meditating. I'm like I'm so grateful. I'm sitting there and I'm mad. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for what we're doing. You just and look my like prayer Dallas, changed. Just right there. <laughs> my prayer changed. So when you meditate, right. what is it for you when you have, hmm. is it always asking God for things or like what does your meditation time look like if you're, you know, specifically if you feel like you don't know what to pray or that mm-hmm. prayer 
mm-hmm. is not being answered. I think way. sometimes for me, like sitting in silence is like just for me, it's like so amazing, like sitting in silence with God and just letting him do his work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like for me, wow. even if if I'm if I'm coming into a meditation or a prayer feeling a certain type of way, I think the first thing I need to do is neutralize that. So coming in as just like a serene, like a, on, a, on a stable ground, on a stable surface, being neutral with yourself, not having really any emotions tied to it. So that's the first thing. That's why the, uh, the, the lookout point really helps me is because mm. looking out kind of calms my nerves, kind of yeah. calms my emotions so that I can come into that neutral ground. But the second thing for me is when you're talking about asking, I think... Uh, I don't always ask, but when I let God do things, he kind of, like, makes me ask myself questions. I don't know what it is, but, like, I almost have a conversation with myself and God at the same time. It's weird. It's a Mm -hmm. weird thing. But sometimes I answer my own questions. Sometimes God, like, puts in a a totally different thing than I was even talking about. Sometimes he, he... he put something in my heart or my mind that's going to happen sometime later, like prophecy or something mm-hmm. like that. Like yeah. It's so, but I think what the, the biggest thing for me is finding like a neutral ground. Because like you said, you were coming in there angry. I always come in there neutral. I always wow. come in there w- waiting for God to speak for me, not asking for something. That makes sense. Have you ever come into there angry or sad? Oh, sure. or what? So then how do you find that neutral ground? Is that just like the looking out? At yeah, the, that's the looking the out. Just taking some time. That's the just like the appreciation for me that's even great. being alive. That gratitude again. But, yeah. but he's also committed to not feeling that way. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think so many times we're committed to our emotions yeah, and we're not yeah. going to get really out of good. them. He's committed to not no feeling that yeah. No, that's it's yeah. super, super profound. You know, what you talked about, there's almost like kind of setting down your emotions, but then there's that middle moment right. of just giving space to do what God, what, yeah. what Julian said God would do, which is yeah. exchange. Uh, the picture that came to mind, I used to work in retail, and I, I, we'd have some customers come in and they'd be angry. Like, you got to do this return. I'm 31 days out from the, or, you know, or they, and it's like, I would be fully prepared to do what they're asking. And it would like it would go faster if they would like lay their emotions down and get silent quicker. Right. Right. Like there's that moment where it's like, okay, let me actually process the exchange you're asking me to do that. It sounds like you figured out a way to expedite mm-hmm. that process. Mm-hmm. Man, that's really good. Dude, that is no joke. I think in, in closing, I think that um, the end of the day, this is about faith wow. and um, every prayer that you pray with faith will be answered. And I want to encourage you that even the Greek word faith means pistis, which is where we get our English word piston, the things that drive an engine. So what's driving you has to be faith. And faith um, is a powerful, powerful word. It's not vibes, it's not energy, it's not positive thinking. What what faith is in in the original context is to be divinely persuaded. Mm. So by default, sometimes I think that my prayer life um, isn't as strong as it could be, and God's not answering those prayers in the way that I would like Him to because I'm doing the one, all the one. I'm I'm the one talking, right? So a lot of times our prayer life is to humanly persuade God to do something, mm. but faith is to be divinely persuaded, which means that it is God in His divinity persuading you what to believe, and that is the difference. So when you go in the presence of God and you're praying. 
and God talks you into something. Now, if you have to be divinely persuaded, that means you start that prayer not wanting to do or not wanting to believe whatever God's about to tell you to believe or do. And so in your time of prayer, you come out saying, oh, this is what you want me to do. And that type of faith, living by that, is what Christ is looking for when he returns. And I think that is powerful. I don't think that God, he's not looking for preachers. He's not looking for, it might involve them, but he's looking for people with faith. People, you're doing something that I had to talk you in to doing. Mm. And I think that if, if we are going to pray correctly, if we're going to be persistent correctly, there's got to be time in our meditation, our time with God, where God can speak to us, right? And tell us to do something that we didn't originally want to do. Mm-hmm. How am I living by faith? It's not how positive I am or how do I believe. What in 2020 has God had to talk you into doing that you didn't want to do? Uh-uh. What, what has he had to... Honestly, like for all the single people, if you get married by faith, it would mean that God in some way had to talk you into who you want to marry. You didn't get to get to choose them and have a connection and a chemistry. That stuff has its place. But sometimes God had to speak to you and talk to you and say, hey, that's the person I'm calling you to be with. Sometimes God has to talk you into taking a job. Sometimes God has to talk you into leaving one. And I think there should be times throughout every season where there's been something major that God has had to talk us into. And maybe this season is just no matter who's in office, God has to talk us into keep praying and keep being persistent. And I believe if we do that, then Jesus will be with us in all that we do. And so I'm going to leave you guys with that. Man, season two has been awesome. Can y'all give it up for my co-host, Elise Murphy? Brother Kendall Haley, and our final guest, we saved the best for last, Brother Nelson Luna. We will see you for season three. Wow. I just got a text while we were filming this. Such a Um, We got picked up by YouTube Red. YouTube Red, okay. YouTube Red. We might be YouTube Orange. We're going to be like substation. We haven't been picked up by anybody. I just keep saying that at the end of every season. I'm just believing. Listen. Hello. I might need to meditate about that. This is the couch with Kendall. Yeah, I'm going to go to couch with Kendall this weekend and believe. Couch with Kendall. You should do that. We should film an episode from the couch. We love that. That would be dope. Dude, that would be fire. You're welcome. Season three, Couch with Kendall. Couch with Kendall. Love you guys so much. You're going to have a chance to watch all the other episodes. Please catch up. We believe you're going to get some great wisdom and things that will inspire your faith. We love you so much, and we will see you soon for episode, I mean, excuse me, season three of The The Conversation. Conversation. Yes! Nailed it.